Welcome. You're listening to the Making the Shift podcast, where you learn how to go from employee to CEO and build a wildly successful coaching or yoga business. I built my coaching business while working as a teacher, and now I'm obsessed with helping other women do the same. Each week, I will teach you high-level mindset and business strategies that you can implement right away. I'm your host, life and business coach, Denise Vinieri. Hello, hello, hello. Happy one year to the podcast. The Making the Shift podcast launched on November 13th of 2020. So it hits one year just a few days ago. It hit one year a few days ago. And I've been thinking about this podcast episode for a while. And I was reflecting on all the lessons that I learned over the past, you know, few years in my business. And I decided that I would just limit it to what are some of the biggest lessons I've learned from podcasting that are related, that obviously they, well, of course are going to show up in business because how we do one thing is how we do everything. And so it was really fascinating for me to be able to do this. It wasn't even just a reflection. I feel like I was doing a a really intense self-evaluation. And so I'm going to be sharing the top three things that I, I don't want to say they're lessons, but maybe they're different perspectives. Maybe they are lessons, wisdom from having a podcast that are 100% fire business coaching. So I want you to like sit back, relax. If you've ever thought of having a podcast, it's maybe been, I know for a lot of my clients, they have it on their like vision board of things they want to eventually create. This is not going to go into like any of the technical things about podcasting, but it is going to go, I'm going to go into essentially like my internal growth and how I saw this showing up in my business and how I actually see it showing up in other people's businesses, my clients in particular. So I want you to sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. I'm calling it Stripped Down a year of podcasting because I am stripping it all down. All right. So when I first started, my podcasting process used to be like really, really, really long. I would do like a rough record. So it would take my iPhone. Okay. So maybe this is a little technical stuff for those of you that ever wanted a podcast, but real quick, I would take my iPhone and there's like this app, I think it's called voice recorder. And I would just do this like rough record. I would just, just riff basically on my voice record app. And then I would upload it to a transcription service that would pull the recording and then transcribe it and send me back a typed out, um, a typed out, uh, thing of my notes, my show notes essentially. And so I would go through those notes and I would clean it up and I would remove all the ums, the likes, the actuallys, a lot of the cursing. And I would just like the things that are part of my speech, I would edit those things out and I would have a pretty neat looking podcasting, not even like bullet points, but an actual script. I would have a script, but it was my, they were my words, but it was like cleaned up, right? Like just notice how I'm even saying, like I would clean up my own words. Now, some of you might be thinking you would totally do the same, but honestly, it was the most exhausting process. And I love podcasting. I've said that since day one, like I just absolutely love this platform. And it's my, one of my favorite places to be is to be like talking, right? So What's really interesting then is that I was like completely exhausted by it. I was, and and it wasn't because I was running out of ideas of things to talk about. And it wasn't because of the tech. I had figured all that shit out. What was exhausting was I was trying to be like a neat and tidy version of myself because I thought 
I had to create this perfect example, I'm doing air quotes, guys, perfect example of content out in the world, right? And I said it earlier, how we do one thing is how we do everything. So I was like, as I'm looking back on this, I can see how this perfectionistic tendency was showing up back then. And it was like all over my business. So that's been one of like the, what I'm going to not just strip down this like podcast title is called strip down, but I also was playing around with like the great unlearning because essentially what I have learned through business is like unlearning all the ways in which I've been conditioned to do things. And then like just thinking that that's just how things need to be done, right? Like if you're going to have a podcast, if you're going to write content, if you're going to show up on a Facebook live, that shit needs to be flawless, right? And where does that even come, come from, right? So, you know, this year has been a year of transformation for me because I'm learning to let go of all the ways in which I have been socially conditioned and essentially like I, I, I liken it to putting on like a straight jacket. Like I have put myself in the straight jacket. So this has been the year of letting social conditioning dissolve. And I'm going to be kind of relating some of the, I'm going to get more specific in a second with some of the lessons I've learned, but like how I was conditioned and how, why I was doing things in with the podcast that were also related to my business is a result of that conditioning. And I'm going to give you some examples of how this might be showing up in your business as well. So, you know, one of the things I decided to really let go of was cleaning up and editing out the likes, the ums, and actuallys. And these are things that like, they're just totally part of my speech and cursing, right? Like part of my speech is I curse. And I've had so many thoughts about this. I mean, I have a very straightforward way of speaking and teaching and coaching and getting really right to the point. Like I don't like a lot of fluff. I don't like to fuck around. I like to get right to the point. And when I'm really fired up about what I'm talking about, I curse. Like it's just, I don't know if it's like a New York thing. I'm, I'm a Latina, so I have a little more fire in me. But I've had so many thoughts about it because I am a coach. I'm also a mom and I'm a yoga teacher. And I have been for 10 years and I was a high school teacher, right? And I talk a lot about spiritual content and business strategy and cursing. I can't help it. But I think I had this thought that like those things couldn't really go together, which is ridiculous because they obviously do because I'm all of those things. So I think there's just a part of me that it like it just shows up and looking back on it, I would cut those things out and it was so long and tedious in the beginning not just the editing piece but like the censoring myself and it, like I realized I was just really operating from an outdated social program that if you're a mom, if you're a yoga teacher, if you talk if you talk about spiritual content, if you're a business coach, right? Like you have to be professional and you shouldn't be cursing and you know you you're and I'm an English teacher. So Saying ums, likes, and actuallys has been like really ingrained in my brain that it's not right. It's not academic. It's not professional. And I had all of these belief systems that weren't even mine around how I should be able to express myself, which is so ironic because I put all of these rules on self-expression, which is like the complete opposite of what we're doing here, right? (laughs) And so I just cut that shit out. I leave most of my imperfect speech in my podcast. I don't edit my podcast unless I I say, um, and like, there's like this really long pause. I'll like edit out the long pause, but most of what you guys hear is pretty rough and raw. And I don't censor things out. I just let it be. 
And What's really funny is I've had a lot of people comment how they love that I leave those things in, that it's like not perfect, which is so funny. It's so great, right? Like people actually want to hear you sound like a human being and not this like scripted, tidy, cleaned up version of yourself. And I've also had a lot of people find it so refreshing that I like curse and talk about spiritual content and I'm a yoga teacher and I'm just like, just being me. And I think that's part of the, important piece here is that when you're just not that you should go out and start cursing, right? Like I'm not saying that or that you should add in these little idiosyncrasies in your speech because I'm saying that that's what works for me. No, like just the the message here is just to be you and whatever way that you show up and what is comfortable for you is to be able to do that. What is natural to you that you don't have to present this like neat, clean version of yourself, whatever you're like, whatever you're telling yourself that is in order to show up in your business. And you know, this, this is so important. This is like where it really is relevant to all of you. It's like, where are you in your business? Like people pleasing or trying to perfect what people see about you, like trying to kind of manipulate your audience into having thoughts about you that you don't even have about yourself. It's like so fascinating, right? And I teach my clients that they are their brand. So you are your brand. And branding, the way that I teach it, it's much less about like some color palette for like your website, but that it really is an extension of your unis, that your business your is like your brand is an extension of you. And so the best quote unquote brands are when you strip down, strip them down to who you really are and being that imperfect representation, because that's what it means to be human. Humans are imperfect. And when you really own all parts of yourself and you don't feel the need to change yourself to be more pleasing to other people so that other people will like you and will follow you and think you're a professional, right? Like what's magnetizing as fuck is when you are in your truth. And brands are not born in a box. They're an evolution of peeling back the layers to who you really are. And this is like a lot of the work that I do with my clients is like really just peeling back all the layers to get to the core of who they are and then letting, you know, like letting your business be a reflection of that. And the best part is like when you do that, when you do that internal work, the most aligned clients show up to work with you, like the best clients because you're in your truth. So you become a match for the people that are really suited to work with you. So the next thing that I learned over this past year of podcasting is what it truly means to be a thought leader. Now, some of you have probably heard me mention this before on the podcast, or maybe you've heard it from other podcasts, but a thought leader I totally had the wrong definition or like my interpretation of it was probably not the most accurate. I thought it meant like I had to create something that was never seen before. That if you were truly a thought leader, you came up with some brand new shit. And my brain can be real literal sometimes. So as a result, I didn't always share my perspective on things. I would look for some external validation before I recorded a podcast. Like I would run it past my husband. Do you think this is a great piece of content? Like, what do you think about me talking about this? Right. I would look to see like, what are other people talking about on their podcast? And, or I would like discount my own perspectives, perspectives and ideas. If I thought someone else already said something similar. And what is a thought leader is that you're a thought leader right now. You can only ever be the person that has an idea and then articulates those ideas 
in only the way that you can. So the first step is to believe the thought, is to have the thought and believe that you are already a thought leader, like right now. So you can learn to trust your ideas in your business. You can lean into your unique perspectives on whatever content you talk about. And you can lean in on those perspectives, even if they're like contradictory to other people's perspectives, even if they might ruffle some feathers. Of course, you're going to ruffle feathers, right? If you're doing this right, you're going to be ruffling some feathers. Not everyone is going to agree with you. And it's not a problem. You don't actually need everyone to agree with you. So if you find yourself doing this in your business, it's often a result of the industrial programming that our culture is like definitely at the effect of. And it's like a big part of like why I do what I do. You know, we've been conditioned, especially women, to not trust our own ideas or our, our intuition, right? Like think about some of the subversive messaging that we've we've received as women. It's like, you know, be seen and not heard, right? You support, there's, you know, there's the woman behind the man. Like I know we've done so much work to unravel that bullshit, but it still could be there, like kind of humming in the background. And industrial programming is really coming from this like mindset that we have to get our work checked by someone else that we've been told is the authority, right? So as a teacher, I was placed in an authoritative role and I had kids all the time coming up to show me their writing and ask me like what I thought about a particular reading of a book or a particular passage. And I was, I had to constantly redirect my students back to their own work and their own brain and their own ideas, rather than looking to me to deem it worthy of like done or to get the A plus grade or like, yes, your idea is just as good as my idea because it's in alignment with my idea. I had to constantly reteach my kids to start learning to trust their own thoughts and ideas and their own work. And this is true for all of us as children, we all go through a school system that it is set up that way. There is an authoritative body and that authority is doling out grades and deeming something, whether it is good or not. And so from a young age, right, we learn to look outside ourselves for validation. We learn to look outside of ourselves to make sure we're quote unquote doing things right. And that might work when you're an employee, right? But that shit does not cut it when you move into um, entrepreneurship. It just doesn't work, right? So let's think about that, right? I know most of you are coming from the employee world, so it's like a total mindfuck to be in your own business and have to make decisions that like there's zero red tape and you never have to pass your ideas by your boss, it's like you don't, you might be sitting there spinning, like wondering if this is the right thing to do. And it's only because in your prior life or in your employee situation, you are running those things by other people. But in your own business, there's none of that. You just get to decide and do the thing. As an entrepreneur, you are already a thought leader, like right now, you are already a sovereign business owner. So you can start sharing your ideas and your perspective with the world. You can decide on what offer you want to have and what the message is that you is in alignment with you. Like you get to decide that right fucking now. You don't need permission or more years of experience or someone else to validate your ideas. Transitioning into entrepreneurship is like a great unlearning, right? You're unlearning all the ways you've operated as a student, as an employee. 
And this can show up all over your business when it comes to sharing things like your offer and your message, right? And you're looking for validation in the marketplace rather than just deciding that you have a unique set of experiences that give you a powerful perspective on the world and a unique combination of knowledge and skill that you can leverage in your business in a way that no one else can. When you believe that, when you have that combination of thoughts about yourself, that is powerful as fuck and that is stepping into thought leadership, okay? So the next thing that I really think I I learned and I'm still learning over the course of the year of podcasting is how to practice what I call radical self-love. Now, I know this may seem a little off from the past two lessons, they more business-minded, but truly, you have to practice radical self-love when you're transitioning into entrepreneurship. You really have to learn how to do that because creating something from nothing, which is what all of you are doing, you're creating a business, even if you're a yoga teacher and you're like, oh, there's tons of other yoga teachers, tons of other coaches, Yeah, but there's no business like the one you are creating. And so you are literally creating something from nothing, something that did not exist and you're creating it. It is an act of vulnerability to put yourself out there, to share with the world an offer that came from your own mind, came from your own heart. And to be able to hold space for yourself through doubt, through fear, through sometimes shame, right? To be able to hold yourself when you had an expectation of how your business was going to go and then it doesn't go that way, right? This is so important is how will you treat yourself, right? So the version of me, like a little, like over a year ago, understood compassion for like other people, right? (laughs) Like understood what that looked like to show compassion and to have kind words for other people. But to myself, not so much. And there was this constant like pushing and pulling and, you know, like, like kind of the way that I've always done things was just like, keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing. And that's not the way to truly step into entrepreneurship, to learn how to navigate entrepreneurship with love and compassion for yourself actually will get you your results a hell of a lot quicker, but more importantly, you're going to enjoy yourself as you're doing that. So I want to just offer that last bit to you. Like you'll know you're doing this in your business if you're comparing yourself to other people and then make it mean that where you are in your business journey isn't good enough. This could look like you know, maybe you had a few consults and you're getting no's and then instead of it, you're making it mean that like you've done something wrong or that people don't really want to work with you or they don't really want to do this work rather than it just simply being a matter of like you're learning a skill that you've never done before. So how can you practice radical self-love, radical compassion for yourself in your business and all the ways in which or might, might be painful right now. That's kind of usually a clue that there's some room for you to do that. And so I wanted to offer this to you because I know for me, what made working in my business while I was working full-time as a teacher so 
difficult, so hard, so painful for me was the way that I was thinking about my own journey, the way that I was thinking about what I was creating in the world. And it really was through this podcast that I learned how to let a lot of that go, right? That I am powerful as I am right now, that, that my ideas, that the content, that the work that I'm doing right now is so important and it's more than good enough right now. And so I wanted to offer these three simple, like stripped down <laughs> lessons, right? My unlearning of social conditioning through this past year to really be able to step into what is, has been the most incredible year of my life. And I wanted to also share it because this is all possible for you all as well. All right, my friends, happy one year to the Making the Shift podcast. And don't forget to keep making some epic shifts. Hey, if you're ready to grow your business, I want to invite you to learn about coaching with me. Set up a time by going to denisefineri.com forward slash consult. We spend one third of our lives at work and it can be purposeful and profitable while having the impact that you want. So until next week, go make some epic shifts. Thanks for tuning in.